What's going on, everyone? It's Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. We're looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map. Today, joined by very special guests, I got Rama of Green Street. How are you doing today, Rama? I'm amazing, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. For those of us that that you know follow on LinkedIn, we just dropped a little short interview of us chatting at Hollow Flowers here a couple weeks ago. We're going to dive in a little bit more. Um, but before yeah. we get into that, I start off every episode with our guest origin story with cannabis. Mm-hmm. So whether that's personal, professional, or a, a touch of both, man, just curious kind of when you and cannabis started your relationship. Um, I mean, technically, I'd say, you know, my mom is growing plants right now in Massachusetts. She just sent me photos of her first harvest she cut down. So she's been, you know, in the cannabis game for a long time. And you know, my name's Rama, you know, she was a super hippie. So it was definitely around growing up. You know, I actually gave, um, I gave what I called peach tree seeds to my friends growing up when I was like, you know, this is like when we were like 10 years old or something, you know, and those peach tree seeds actually were weed pot seeds that were like <laughs> at the house that were just kind of sprinkled around like in these weird little, you know, boxes or little cabinets and stuff. And uh, that's the first like memory I have of it, you know, and then I did, but I didn't personally start smoking until I was 25. And um, that came about, I was doing like a punk rock record label for, for years. And at that point, I guess I would have already been doing it for like, um, like seven or eight years. And um, I had a friend, I have a dear friend still named Liz Tempesta and Liz was like, trying to peer pressure me to smoke weed for, for a long time, you know? And, um, when I finally did it, when I was 25, uh, I was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Why did I wait so long? You know, and these <laughs> kind of things. And I've been a daily smoker since then. So that's, so it's 20 years now. Um, and then like on the professional level, um, Basically 10 years ago, uh, I met my partner now in Green Street. His name's Josh Shelton. He's an attorney. And um, we were doing G-Pen, the portable vaporizer, through my ad agency. So um, we were doing Beats by Dre, Disney, DreamWorks, Universal, um, Interscope, you know, Pepsi, like big things. And we signed G-Pen. And we just did like social media strategy and a style guide and packaging design. You know, like the stuff you'd kind of traditionally do as an ad agency for a brand. And that went so crazy and was so successful that Josh came back to me, who was G Pen's attorney, and he said, you know, that his law firm and my ad agency should merge together to create a compliant ad agency. Uh, this is 10 years ago, so we were really early on. But the same feeling I got from the men and women that were in the music industry and doing in the bands there that were started as like little teeny bands and grew to huge, huge, like, headlining festival bands is the same feeling I got from the men and women in cannabis. So we really, after a few months of like really deeply considering how we'd approach being an agency, uh, we kind of had the hunch that if we could survive off making like two bucks an hour for the first couple years, then we'd be positioned to where like trust is priceless. And that's what we did. We did five years of like logos, packaging style guides, you know, investment decks, all that kind of stuff for the industry. And, um, you know, I thought that's all we do had an ad agency for weed, but we ended up 
partnering with Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, uh, five years ago. And he started allowing us to start building IP in the cannabis space. So since then, we've launched the Hall of Flowers show, which I spoke to you about last week or at, you know two weeks ago, whatever it was. And we have a building in downtown LA that we open for cannabis. We have a consumer festival for cannabis that we just launched. And we have some brands and some other stuff that we're kind of working on. But essentially, like advertising for five years turned into like an IP creation house for the last five. Man, that's that's fire. And I remember like G Pen was the first, like, you know, and I don't want to inaccurately speak or have people come for me, but like the first cannabis brand, right? Like back when this shit was medical, at least like in C, you know, in Seattle, like early 2010s, when people were shopping at dispensaries, but everything was collectives or compassionate cares, you know, everything was kind of centered around caregiving and and very medical vibe. It was a medical market. You know, there wasn't too many brands that were sticking around or obviously at that point, MSO, that term didn't even exist, you know, for this space. Mm -hmm. But G-Pen was like, and obviously they're a device or ancillary, but they were a brand that obviously was everywhere and was like sponsoring events and putting out collaborations with music artists. And that was, I remember my, you know, outside of my first dab on a probably nasty you know titanium nail that was far too hot i remember the g pen i can't remember what the name of the device was but carrying around the oil on that and that was yeah. early me and me and joey talk about all the time when we're when rmr was just selling t-shirts the g pen was fueling us through mm-hmm. you know being at, at obviously we sold t-shirts at Hempfest and stuff like that in seattle where you could just openly smoke and it was all good but we also did a lot of like more welcome to everyone a lot of families and the g-pen was holding it down for cannabis yeah yeah hell yeah i appreciate that yeah all the the collaborations you're talking about that's what we focused on and um the the true branding is what we focused on all the events we did you know that's like that's what i did for them and um you know but we treated them we were doing beats by dre at the time and we just treated g-pen the same way we treated beats by dre like with respect and like forward thinking and how to work with artists and licensing and collaborations and word of mouth and all those kind of things. And, um, and I was like a heavy user. I was using my G pen every day at the office, the same way that you guys were. So it was really easy for us to, to kind of wrap our brain around like where we think it could go and, and how to like respect it, you know, and build it at the same time. Um, but yeah, they were, and, and to their point to, to give them credit, you know, that success was really meaty, like meteoric, I guess they say, right? Like, and, and it was because Chris, the owner, um, was able to react in such a quick time on opportunities that that's why they won. It, it was really like, I would call him and be like, hey, I have an opportunity to do this. We need to know in an hour. And he would be like approved or denied or something like this, you know? And, and he didn't have to like, he would kind of even say like, I don't have to run it by my CFO or any of these things. If I want to do it, we can do it, you know? And, um, and that's why they were able to, to have such success is they, they could really like move quick and take advantage of all the opportunities out there. Um, and nowadays, you know, obviously things have changed for everybody, but um, you know, that was really a big, big opportunity for them. Cause you know, with cannabis back then, 10 years ago, we weren't getting offered the first opportunity at stuff. Like people would come to us with an event after they've exhausted talking to all their corporate brands. And then they'd be like, well, shit, the event's on Friday. Like maybe these weed guys have money, you know? So we'd get a lot of last minute opportunities to come in. And, um, you know, that was like something that 
in the, you know, that we've been trying to fix forever is this like kids table mentality that the mm. cannabis people are sad at, that we're sad at, you know, but, but the G pen for sure, like half the restaurants in LA told me that they wouldn't be open without the G pen because the chefs could hit them and blow them into the, the vents, you know, <laughs> opposed to going outside and smoking yeah, a yeah. joint. And, you know, we were smoking it, you know, like crazy. And, um, you know, a funny story about G-Pen actually real quick is that when I met Chris, we were outside of um, Keith Huffnagel's booth, Huff, the clothing brand in, in Vegas. And they had been working on a project, the Huff, like G-Pen, like flask collabo thing already. And, um, and Chris looked super familiar. And I'm standing outside the booth. Chris is outside the booth. We're looking in the booth for Huff, for, for Keith. And... Um, and we start talking to each other and he's like, you look really familiar. And I'm like, no, you look familiar. And we couldn't figure it out. And we exchanged, he's like, oh, you want to smoke weed? And I thought he'd have a joint. He pulled out the G pen out of his pocket, like, Oop, you know, this is weed. And I was like, holy fuck. And I hit it right in the thing. Oh my God, the best thing of all time, you know, weed you can smoke inside the trade show. And, um, and then we exchanged numbers and he called me like 30 minutes later. And he goes, dude, I know where I know you from. And I was like, what's that? He's like, 339 self south detroit and i was like that's my address and i was like uh okay like weird and he goes dude we're neighbors and i was like what do you mean he's like i live in your apartment building and then we ended up sharing a wall literally like we were one door down from each other for years but he was doing his business i was doing mine i wasn't in cannabis he maybe was or something and we never talked. We made eye contact a couple of times, but we never even exchanged words. <laughs> and, you know, and then literally like we ended up being neighbors and um, then that let us hang out all the time. And then they finally were like, fuck it. We want to go for it. We want it. We want the Beats by Dre, like, you know, um, respect and and like attention and, and you, know, um, you know, work that goes into building brands like that. So, yeah. That is hilarious that you guys were, that you were neighbors so awesome. uh, and, it, and it took, took took that took that finding out but you know obviously yeah, the jeep the g pen changed the game but something else you unpacked it earlier a second where you say you know you realize if you could work for two dollars an hour for a couple years you could build that trust and that trust being priceless mm -hmm. and obviously coming from the the music space right that is a, a labor of love nobody nobody gets yeah. into me i mean few people yeah. maybe get into music with getting rich but people that have been in music realize that you know quickly is not is not a get rich quick scheme there's a lot of uh yeah if you get in it's kind of like cannabis if you get in it to get rich you're probably not going to be successful both of these things you know? yeah yeah and it's it's a it's a long tail you know, gro grooming yeah. an artist from unknown to you know selling out or whatever even if it's not even selling out stadium just selling out shows right it's a long yeah. tail a lot yeah. of time and money yeah. invested before you start seeing things coming yeah. back. Um, yeah. And I always say like, you know, selling music or any form of art is going to be one of the hardest things that you're ever going to sell because like supply and demand, like simple yeah. economics doesn't necessarily really apply to that in the same sense of services or goods. Yeah. Um, yeah. What all about music besides that kind of conditioned you for this, this cannabis industry and, and all of the, the challenges, obstacles and, and hard growth that have came along with that? Yeah, I mean, so I, I literally look at it like music because that's what I know mostly. And and when, again, when I started the company, I was making like comparisons. I was like, okay, your MSO point a few minutes ago, there was no MSOs. So to me, the MSOs are the major labels. But back then there was no major labels, right? In cannabis, it was all indie labels. And some of these are going to become the Geffens and the Interscopes and whatever, right? 
So it was all indie labels. That's how I looked at it. And then there was no South by Southwest or CMJ or, um, you know, Rolling Stone or Bonnaroo or any of these like kind of things that these platforms that kind of brands can launch from, you know, that didn't exist in cannabis either. There was High Times Cannabis Cup and that was really it. That was back then, you know, so to us, we were like, we got to build platforms and brands the same way that music has it, you know, we need to have some consumer festivals and we need to have some B2B festivals and we need to have media out there, you know, and um, but that was the comparison. Right now, I literally make jokes that that I'm basically running like a weed record label. In fact, my my friend, a uh, good 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 mentor, a friend of mine, Zach Nadilli, he really helped me a lot with the Green Street branding and like the the foundational work that that it takes to do brands. And um, and he calls me the A and R of weed. That's what he thinks <laughs> I'm good at. Like I'm like the ultimate A and R for weed. Like bundling, packaging, ideas together, this kind of stuff, you know? And then the final example I'll say is 20 years ago, and I'm sure you can find this article online or something, but 20 years ago, there was an article in the Boston Globe, which was the big newspaper. And it was like, we were on the cover of the entertainment section or something. And it was my facility in Boston that I called Inatech. It was based off the Office Space movie. And it was a, a building that I rented that I subleased out space to tons of other music people in Boston. So I had multiple record labels in there, record labels that are still around today, 20 years later. I had big booking agents in there, people like Matt Galley, who's like number one booking agent in the world right now. You know, he was sharing space with me. Jen Malone, who does all the music for Euphoria, John Wick, and you know, things like this was in there. So. Right now, currently, I have the weed building, right? I have Green Street, which is the weed epicenter. But 20 years ago, I had this exact same concept, but for music. So now people are like, you know, how did you build Green Street? It's because I built Big Wheel or Inatech or Tarantulas or Doghouse, or all the record stuff, music stuff I did. I built that kind of the same way, you know, but it goes back to weed, right? You buy a bag of weed and you sell some to your friends. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's been forever. I, you know, I got this office space, which subleasing it out to my music friends, strength in numbers, sharing resources, what, whatever it is, you know, and um, and now we're just doing it for cannabis now, 20 years later. Yeah, whole, whole new game. But it's 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 interesting, right? Like with with legalization, these opportunities that just previously didn't exist. Right. Back then, you couldn't have thought of. Hey, what if we had the same model for weed? It just that that wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't have even been like, oh, that's a pipe dream someday, right? It's just sure. like that thought didn't even exist. Even the Hall of Flowers, right? Like Hall of Flowers was an idea that I had for literally years before we launched it. And it probably wouldn't have been successful if we launched it when I wanted to, because it was right before it was like the packaging guidelines weren't even there and all that, like the legalities weren't really there yet. So Hall of Flowers was launched at the perfect timing. But it's, it was, for me, years in the making, um, you know, before that. But for sure, timing is everything on, on a lot of projects like this, you know. And so one of the things that's just always inspired me, I mentioned in the post the other day, like, I, I really think that you're like a visionary type person, right? Like in talking to you and just hearing about what you've done in the past. And now it's clear to me that like, that's one of your strengths is like having, having like big vision, but not, not untethered to the earth right like but it is it's vision so what is it about obviously you've launched a lot of things at this point been behind a lot of things what is it about like having these dreams these goals or seeing you know having visions 
and then bringing them to life. Like, what is that process like for you? Even if it is, you know, something that you feel like might be early or a little bit bigger than yourself, obviously like green street, what you're at now was much bigger. I'm sure than when you originally had an oh, idea for that. Uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would say like, what's the, I, I really love this question actually. Um, you know, I, it takes obsession, honestly, like the real answer is I'm obsessed and not in a good way. I'm like in like a dark circles under the eyes, can't have a girlfriend, like way, you know what I mean? I'm like that, like obsessed, right? And it's not even healthy, to be honest, you know what I mean? I'm overweight, like all this kind of things, right? You know, and um, you know, it's like, but it it takes that obsession to, to almost run any business, you know, and, and, and I'm sure people can be healthy and run businesses, of course, and they can ha have, you know, relationships and run businesses, absolutely. I've just been doing it this way for so long, like back to the punk rock music thing, you know, when you're in a band and you're managing an artist, it's not a nine to five business. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know what I mean? Like I would tour with the artist and at two in the morning have to respond to emails and make phone calls. And you know what I mean? So it's like this thing that my whole life has been like, you know, nights and weekends don't exist, you know? And then when I did the deal with Gary, he works nights and weekends like crazy. He'd call me at like midnight in New York and I'll be like Netflix on the couch, whatever. And I'll see him calling and be like, oh my God, what the fuck? And I'm like, <clears throat> oh, what's up, Gary? Just, I'm just crushing emails. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Because he's just such a workaholic, you know, but he, again, he, he, he has more balance in his life or whatever. I mean, you know, he has more, you know, success. So he can kind of, you know, uh, um, like hire some extra people to help him or whatever it may be or something. But, you know, it really takes like the obsession. And then, you know, I think the process for everybody's different. Like, you have to be motivated. You have to want to spring out of bed every day. You know, it's, and it's really hard to run your own business. I, I had a friend that I had a business with, we started a business with years ago and you know, maybe 15 years ago. And he was from the corporate world and um, was a creative director making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, doing an incredible job. And um, we decided to start a business together, DIY from the, the ground up. And it almost, killed him like you know because he was just so not used to like having to be available every second of your life and you know he couldn't really turn it off where i'm like getting better at at you know it's been 30 years of, of running my own business and not having a job you know so it's just it's what, what i know now but it's it's just a commitment you know you have to sacrifice everything it sounds so cheesy but you know like the, the all those kind of you know sayings are true like you know if you show me the luckiest person i'll show you the hardest working or whatever it may be you know so yeah all, all that cliche shit they write in hallmark cards man the reason it's in there is because there's no better way to yeah, describe yeah. it my my version of that is nothing replaces hard work and that's just what i've really come to again i'm from boston so there's a crazy work ethic on the east coast and when i came here to los angeles i just was figured if i could just put more work in than everybody else you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be luckier than everybody else or something like that. You know, I know that it's not a, it's not a perfect science, but you know, that's just the reality. You know, you gotta be kind of obsessed with it, you know? And then for me personally, like to what makes me be able to do it is my only kind of fear, I guess, with the business is running out of what I call gas money. Like meaning like, um, you know, like I'm right now, I'm like the race car, like winning the race or, or whatever, you know, like really crushing it. And the last thing, the only thing that could fuck me up is like not be able to have enough fuel to keep going. 
you know, so that's like my whole thing. And for me, my brain, it's, it's hardest to, to switch from running the business to the creative side. So I normally bring people in to run the business side. All my businesses that I have, Hall of Flowers brought in the number one experts in the world, Danny and Aaron, to run it. Danny's done more work than I could ever imagine, has built it bigger than I could ever imagine. You know, and, you know, my other partner, Josh Shelton, who's the attorney with Green Street, and he helps me with all, like, the back-end business stuff there. And, you know, Gary helps me with the other business stuff. And then I have, uh, you know, festival partners that I'm partnering, about to announce soon. They're doing the back-end for me there. So it's kind of like setting myself up to be, like, excited about it, you know, because I wouldn't be obsessed with doing, like, decks and spreadsheets all day. That's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with, like, these things. Like, this isn't this is work right now mm-hmm. how amazing is that you know yeah yeah talk, talk what, what's turned into just talking about the passions has definitely become work in a lot of senses um and on that obviously you know you're you're clearly well connected in this space but also something about yourself is like you're real low-key whether it's your so your personal mm-hmm. social media presence or yeah. just in person you're not like a look at me i'm in front of the camera you're not a a salesy dude that i feel like is you know really chasing people down consistently you don't strike me as a person that's always asking 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 so i'm curious like what are some of those ways that being such a low-key individual you've been able to successfully build such a wide and vast network like what are our net yeah network what what are some of those aspects i mean so again i was a manager right so i didn't want to be on stage i wanted to i i I wanted to make the band famous and i'm like along for the ride right i never wanted to be about me even my social i didn't even have instagram or twitter or linkedin or these things really but gary made me get on them you know, he's like, someone has to be the face of Green Street a little bit, you know, like, that's what the, that's what people want these days, want to know who's behind these things, you know, and he, so he like literally made me do these things, you know, he made even this stuff, I would have never, I've never do interviews, I never did them. But he's like making me do these things, you know, um, because he just knows how important they are, you know, so it's, it was, it's been a big challenge for me to, because to, I don't want to be a known person. My hero is a guy named Lou Wasserman. Do you know who that is? Huh. Okay, perfect. Exactly. Google Lou Wasserman later. You'll be like, what the fuck? There's a documentary about him called The Last Mogul. And he really created the music and entertainment industry as we know it today. He started what what we what we know as universal, like movies and records and stuff, you know? And um, but it was like I think CBS radio back then he started it as and grew it. But the last mogul is fucking crazy. And no one's ever heard of this guy. No one knows who he is, but he's the most, he was the most powerful person in Hollywood. So on a business side, that was really, you know, my inspiration there of how to run a successful business without being the face of it really, or without being, you know, putting your face on it, I guess. And then um, there's the book of the way, right? There's like the Tao Te Ching or how you pronounce it. I'm not exactly sure, but you know, there's the, that book that is like, you know, the, you know, if, if you want something, you shouldn't want it. And all those kind of like, you know, you know, fucking, you know, philosophical, philosophy, philosophy, like th- thoughts, like, you know, from, from Asia, basically. And, and in that book, when I read that book, they were saying like, the best leader is a leader that the people um, underneath him and the team and whatever the community will call it, they feel like they got there on their own. It's like not a king taking credit for it. In fact, it's the opposite. It's someone that like the people feel like they did it. 
you know? So that's been my approach forever. It's like, I don't need the credit. I don't need to put my name on it and stuff. I'm, I'm doing it now a little bit because Gary asked me to. He thought it was important, you know? But um, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't want to be stopped. I, 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 even at Hall of Flowers, like people ask to take photos with me now and stuff. And I'm not into that at all. You know what I mean? So even, yeah, so anyway. And that's why, you know, I, I've thanked you probably three times now for hopping on the interview, to, you know, just yeah. bugging you like, hey, I'm about to put a mic in your face. And because, again, you don't you don't strike me as the individual. Some people thrive in that position. Some people crave it. Um, and, you know, I feel like myself, I've, mm -hmm. I, I cater to more doing it because it's yeah. a, the benefit of it. Lack of the my guy, Zach Nadilli, my guy, Zach Nadilli, I mentioned a few minutes ago. He's like a, a, a branding genius. Like he smokes me. He's like, you know, no pun intended. He's so much better than I am. And um, he he really helped me because I do branding for all these companies for forever. But like for me, it's hard to see the forest from the trees. So I can't really tell myself it's bad for me to like, you know, like work on me or work on the Green Street brand. So over COVID, we spent, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of hours together with him helping me try to figure out what to do with the Green Street brand and how to like play everything together and, and you know, have it all work, you know, in unison. And um, the first thing that he did was show me two photos. And one was Richard Branson on like a jet ski and a jet pack with a silver fucking outfit on. And in that same grid, it was Charlie uh, 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 and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka, whatever, with a crazy outfit. That was on one side. And the other side was Wizard of Oz. And he's like, pick one. And I was like, oh, obviously not Richard Branson with the jetpack, like, you know, and not Willy Wonka. I want the fucking odds, of course. And he's like, perfect. Now, if you do that, everything has to go in this direction versus this other. These are two definitely mm. different starting points with me as a human and how it is reflecting the business, you know? So that's that's how I feel about it. Like, I, I want, I don't know. I mean, there's... I have a ridiculous ego, obviously, like in life of different things. And I'm, you know, I'm a wise ass and I, I like am short with people sometimes. And, you know, I have like a lot of convictions, but I know it's not a single individual thing. This is about truly growing the community into something, into an industry, you know, and it's not, not going to be done with me. That's even why I want there to be tons of other people that do the businesses that I do. Like I want there to be more events and more trade shows and more buildings. You know, I want this, you know, this has to grow, you know, I'm just trying to like, you know, kind of lead by example with some of the things that I think are, are going to naturally happen anyways. Uh, I, I love that. And, and obviously like you, we were saying a little bit earlier, like green street is as a company has evolved greatly as well. Like what started as an agency is now turned into a building, turned into a festival, turned into a series of events, both B2B networking and, and B2C focus. Um, yeah how much of that evolution is rooted in just kind of pursuing the passions or, or, or is it like kind of, again, been back and you had this vision of like, we're going to start with, with a jump to B start to C, or yeah. has it just been the game, you know, the game evolving and you guys evolving alongside of it? Yeah, I think it's half and half. <clears throat> it was never like there's a vine and we need to jump to it and fuck everything behind us ever. You know, like I, I, I thought we'd always be making logos and stuff, but you know, most advertising agencies, what makes or breaks them is IP, right? If you look at anything, any agency in the world, they either get acquired because they own some shit, you know, or they made a lot of money because they own some shit. You know, like chicken fries is my favorite example with Chris Porter Bogowski. I think they get 2% of chicken fry sales. 
I think it made them hundreds of millions of dollars, like way more than the, than it would have been to just like pitch the client on something, you know, way more than just a fee or whatever. Right. So the problem is it's also kills agencies. IP is the number one killer of ad agencies. You can't take your resources off with paying clients and build stuff for yourself. You know, so with my old partners, it was, um, which is some mentors of mine, Darren Romanelli, uh, and went, where we signed GPen. you know, those partners didn't want me to do IP. In fact, I was bringing up the trade show to them, the Hall of Flowers idea for years, years and years and years and years and years. And um, they kept saying no. And when Gary came in, the first thing he said is, what's the IP? And I was like, oh, well, I have a lot. So how much time do you have? And it was just like, because I'll sit and spend a couple hours building on a concept or a brand or, or, or days, you know, back to you said, like, how do, how do you kind of do this? How do you bring stuff to reality? You know, I'll spend days pontificating on stuff, building crazy Google decks just for me, just taking all my notes. And you know what I mean? I started a, you know, my, I have a, literally I'm at, this notebook here is like a couple, you know, it's days old and it's halfway done. You know, I'm drawing and writing constantly into it, you know? So the, the, um, I oh, fuck, I forgot I was talking about, sorry, lost my train of thought. Uh, just the, the, the evolution of moving from, yeah, aspect yeah. to, yeah, yeah, okay, to yeah. So like some stuff was like the trade show. I was talking about it for years. The building happened naturally. The building was, what's well, interesting, right? Cause the building, it was like, I, we were renting an office. We had some showrooms in it. Um, someone else was like, Hey, can I get an office in here? And then everybody that came over after that, that you could smoke a joint at the meeting was like, shit, can we get an office? And then I thought, well, you know, back in the day when I had Inatech, I rented a big building and I subleased it out. So that that's how we started it. It was like, you know, again, the, it was the hunch from before that I reused, you know, but that wasn't part of the plan, you know? And then um, the festival definitely wasn't part of the plan. The Green Street Festival, you know, someone said the other day that uh, they, they were like, yeah, you saw the opportunity and you jumped on it. And I was like, it's fucking not an opportunity at all. It is an emergency. Like we, like these festivals need to happen or the cannabis is not going to become an industry. There needs to be dozens of events, not just for the brands, for the consumers. Imagine if there was one music festival a year only or two music festivals <laughs> only. Like what music's not going to be big enough. Do you know what I mean? You need to have like, you need to have cannabis events every day of the week, seven days a week, tent pole events throughout the year or whatever. But you know what I mean? Or football, if there was just the Super Bowl and no other stuff happening. No way. It, you know, you need to build it into the lifestyle, right? So to me, that that was the, you know, the the thing. It's like it's I look at it like two ways. There needs to be platforms. Those are one time builds. South by Southwest you know, Coachella, Bonnaroo, Outside Lands, these are one-time builds. And then you can launch an infinity amount for us, Hall of Flowers or Green Sheet Festival or the building. Then you can launch an infinity amount of brands through those. As soon as you have the network, then you can launch, you know, the consumer brands or whatever. Now then you can, you can do advertising with the corporate brands. You know, I'll get Taco Bell money from Gary eventually because they want to be part of the festival or the building or whatever it may be, you know, so um but yeah it's like clients suck you don't have to comment uh you know i hate them all i don't work with any clients at all right now we, we stopped completely doing client work you know they, they hire us because we're experts and then they don't listen to what we tell them your life yep. i'm sure you know yep. and it's like you know i i was sitting with gary 
uh, right before COVID. It was the end of the year, and we were doing our recap of like what the company, how it did, right, with money. And I was at his, I was at Vayner Media in, in, in Culver City, you know, here in LA at his agency. And we're whiteboarding out and I'm giving him the numbers. And, and the agency w- was doing very well. You know, we were, we were making millions of dollars a year, but it cost us millions to get, to make it. You know, so we're kind of treading water. And if you want to build a big ad agency, that's what you do, you know? And I, he could tell I was just, defeated and tired you know we'd hired all these people now i'm managing this whole team and we're signing all these clients and billing and oh my god it's like collections and all the shit and and he's like well what what do you want to do rama like what's going on you don't seem excited and i'm like i just want to build shit that we own and i don't want to listen to anybody and he literally said well, what if we didn't have clients i was like uh what like what do you we're an eight that's all we do is have clients we're an agency He's like, well, in theory, we could shut it down. We could let everybody go. Um, we could just start focusing on intellectual property and just build stuff that you want to build, you know? And I was just like, holy fucking shit. And I literally like hugged him and left and was like, this is what we're going to do. We had some huge contracts that were all expiring um, in the new year. And I went to the staff, you know, we only had like 10 people or something. I went to the staff and, and said, hey, listen, update we're gonna shut down but you have a couple months to figure it out we're gonna just not renew any new clients no new business i'm not gonna fuck anybody over i'm not gonna leave clients or my staff hanging and gary said i'll hire anyone from the agency to my agency if they can't get a job or write letters recommendation for their dream jobs let these people go and you know and they have two Mm -hmm. months to figure it out long time and so he did that and this is right before covid and we didn't know COVID was going to happen. Mm. So it was like we shut the storm windows not knowing. And then the fucking hurricane came and it literally saved our company, our lives, everything we're doing. We had let go of everybody. And then a month later was like everything's shut down. Everything's done. Everything's mm. dead. So when that happened, it was like, a, you know, everything happens for a reason, I say, you know. Usually my mom says that when bad stuff happens. But, you know, we just kind of took it like as a really great sign. And then it's after that, I spent COVID, spent, you know, fucking 60 hours a week just working on IP ideas. You know, I have like so many, I have so many ideas that we haven't even ever talked about that are like the next level of the stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. And these are, this is, most of the stuff exists in every industry. We're not inventing trade shows or inventing these co-working or, I mean, I'm in the fashion district and jewelry district. There's 50 buildings just like me for jewelry and fashion right around me you know so my hope is that that becomes the cannabis district and we kind of grow that and other companies come in and and do that together or whatever you know hall of flowers trade shows have existed for hundreds of years Mm -hmm. you know and the festival you know it's music you know you know i don't want to call it woodstock because i don't want anyone to burn it down but you know these we're not reinventing the wheel on anything we're just like properly giving the cannabis community and industry something it deserves you know, and I know because I'm coming from that world, I, I'm with them. You know, I've been helping these brands and these, you know, operators and entrepreneurs. I've been helping these men and women carry their stuff through the mud for the last 20 years. You know, we've been, or the last 10 years, right? We've been at all the stuff. We've been at all the events. We've done all the things, you know, hundreds and hundreds, worked with every single brand in the space, under promise and over delivered, hopefully 95% of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but again, back to music. 
I'm only doing this because I was, when I did music, I was like, shit, like you could own the Warp Tour or own the, the South by Southwest or, you know, like you could, there's opportunities to really be involved, you know, and, and back to Lou Wasserman and Universal, you know, when I saw that documentary and saw what he did, it was like, wow, like maybe Green Street could be the universal of cannabis. That's why we're even putting our name on the building. And they, we weren't going to call it Green Street in the beginning. We weren't going to call the festival Green Street. And now it, that's why I asked you about, you know, your cannabis product launch recently and you're concerned using your name on the two different ways if it's bad. I think it's great, you know, because mm -hmm. we're just building brands within cannabis. Today it might seem weird, but in 10 or 20 years from now, it won't be like weird, you know? So that's, that's like our approach, you know? No, I, I love that. And thank, thank you for sharing. There's a lot of gems in there. And, and, you know, one of the things that stood out uh, or another one of the things that stood out when we spoke at Hall of Flowers the other day is towards the end, you were saying how, you know, your, yourself, myself, and a lot of us in this space are, are outsiders in cannabis, yeah. right? And how growers sure. are, 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 the, are the core of this. And I yeah. saw one or two comments and someone actually emailed us about that and was like, yo, I really appreciate it. And that video just came out. It doesn't even have a ton of views, but it struck with a cut. I saw one comment and then I saw one email and yeah. someone was Ooh, like, wow, awesome. I really, I really loved how he said that. So I was just curious if you could kind of expand on, on that comment. And, and I, cause I think that mindset has a lot to do with your success in this space because it, it, it's based yeah. that mindset is correlated to your approach. So I'm just curious if you can expand yeah. on that, that concept. Yeah. So absolutely. We're outsiders. I've never used this example, but it came to mind when you were asking, so I'll use it, but I want to talk about it a little more than just this one example, if that's okay. So I used to manage a band. Um, this is after the record label. I sold my record label, started managing major label artists, signed a band to a major label, huge check. Oh my God. Like we made it, you know, we're rich kind of thing. And, um, we're making the album and, um, I made a comment on one of the songs to one of the band members. And he said, shut, shut up or whatever, or you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You can't play guitar. So therefore I couldn't comment on the song, right? Which is ridiculous, obviously, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and, but it really hurt me to the point where that was 20 years ago and it's, it like instantly just came back right here. I remember like in the room when it happened, you know? And, um, and you know, so so that's kind of something that I've seen, right? But then I grew up in skateboarding and like there's posers and non-posers mm. and like the way you hold your board matters and all these things. I grew up in punk rock and you know, there's major label and indie label. Like we hated the offspring in Nirvana personally because they were too mainstream. They weren't punk to me at the time, you know what I mean? And um, with this one, with the cannabis stuff, it was like, I truly believe that the celebrity chefs in the space, the lead singers and guitar players are the cultivators. You know, they are the artists. It all starts and ends with them. So maybe that will change in 30 years or something. I hope not. You know, I hope the people like maybe the people that grow, grew the hops back in the day for the beer were like the stars. And now we don't even know who grows the hops anymore or something. But I, I don't think so. I think it's celebrity chef. You know, I think it's more that world. And you know, because, so because of that, if I'm just the manager and I'm just on stage and I'm just, or the booking agent, or well, if I'm just doing the back end work, I'm not the artist, you know, and they need to, they need to have the best bed and they need to have like the right food and the right attention and the doctor and the, the whole thing, you know, like that they, you know, it's about them less than, you know, I'm like running the business side of the business, you know? So from the very beginning, I got that. And, and, you know, it's not just coming from me, right? If you meet anyone back then, especially that was in the industry, 
if you grew good weed, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because there wasn't like these other businesses to like be like, I made a bunch of money selling it or doing that. It was just like, whoa, like if you, that was like, a, wow, you know? And, um, you know, so that was just our belief from the very beginning that we're outsiders in the space, even though I've added a ton of value and, and, you know, um, I'm hopefully just getting started by adding value to it. And, um, you know, it's, that's it. I'm, I'm like there, I'm not the talent, you know, I guess, or, or where, you know, maybe you are, but I, I didn't do that stuff. I can't, I, I can't grow anything. I have dead plants, you know, I kill cactuses, you know? So I think it was like that part, but for sure, absolutely. I know that it's important and people respect it. And I'm not surprised you got mess messaged, you know, um, cause more people need to realize that, you know, mm -hmm. you have respect, you know, my region, I had a, a, a trademark for, um, respect your flower, mm. you know, and that's like something that we haven't done anything with, but we got the, I have graphics for it and a fucking trademark for it and stuff. And it's, um, you know, with this idea that it's like so important, you know, like, um, mm -hmm. there's the line from, uh, from, uh, pineapple express where he's talking about like, uh, you know, how he's like, he says something about like, that would be like killing a unicorn with a bomb or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? And that, yeah, that's yeah. how we look at it. Like we look at it, like hopefully eventually like the grinder will matter. Like, like how you take the plant, even look at wine, I'll start over, look at wine, right? Like my partner, Josh says like, today's equivalent of it is like, people are just drinking wine out of their shoe. You know, when there's a different wine glass for every single type of wine that exists, there's a different red and white, and you know, I mean, there's all these, mm -hmm. you know, so we, we hope that it will get there, that it will, you know, the fork will matter and the, the industry will, will build around the, the product and around the cannabis versus just building what they want on their own, you know, mm -hmm. and then like or trying to like make it a, we'd call it widgets or, or, you know, they're just weed people, who cares, like whatever, it's my cousin grew tomatoes and I can do the same thing. You know, the hope is that the, the cannabis is, you know, again, I love wheat. Like, we love this. Yeah. You know, I'm a lifer. I'm a daily user. Like, you know, I'm doing this for weed, you know, not for, like, any money or the success of a business or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, back to what I was saying earlier about you being a visionary, I think I think in this space, when I meet people that have reached success and have, have accomplished things at a surface level, like you said, throwing a festival that's not the groundbreaking idea right there's there's festivals going on trade shows there's trade shows in every industry that follow a similar model but behind it is that passion for breaking the stigma and providing value mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people that are doing something at, at the surface level that might not be the most mind-boggling brand new idea but have a true why and a passion attached to it and a commitment to breaking the stigma that's been a lot of the people that are breaking the mold and i see a lot of people getting into cannabis that want to carbon copy hey i want to do that but do it for weed but when when there's that lack of just emotional tie and desire behind it that's where you see something turn to run of the mill versus something that ends up being kind of cutting edge of the industry so really yeah. salute you for that and that's something i've just noticed in interviewing people over these last few years the people that you could talk to about you know again we're not just talking about trade show we're talking about more than that so i don't want to discredit you but if we we're just talking about the trade show again it's a trade show is not the most innovative idea. If we talk to someone about an after party, it might not be the most innovative idea, but if you talk to the the founders and some of the visionaries behind that and let them go off on that, 
and really unload their heart about it, you're like, wow, this person thinks about these things at such a more deeper interconnected level. And that's yeah. what makes something that maybe at surface level, I think so much more impactful. So that's just something Thank I've you. noticed a consistency among yourself and, and others in this space. And yeah, I truly care, you know, like with even with Hall of Flowers, right? Or, or any of the stuff that we're doing, it's like a lot of people would approach these events or this stuff and say, how much can we charge? You know what I mean? And we are the opposite. We were like, how much value can we provide? And then what is that worth? You know, that's the real question here. But people come in just, they wanted, they look at it like a money grab, you know, quick thing. You know, they look at it for the wrong reasons, in my opinion, you know, and if people can make money, of course, but like, if we can just provide value to the industry and, and you know, keep doing that and, and build something that, you know, will be sustainable for them, it, you're going to, it could be forever. Hall of Flowers could exist for the next hundred years type of thing, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I hope to attend as many as possible, man. Um, you know, before I get you up out of here, man, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything that's coming up next for, for yourself and Green Street in 2022 and, and early three? Um, no, I'm not really like a plug type of guy. You know, I would say like if you like awesome stuff and cannabis, check out what we're doing, websites, Instagrams, whatever, you know. Um, you know, I'd say the only thing that comes to mind is like the cannabis industry is in a really weird spot right now, especially in California with the taxes and the sales and, you know, the different markets that are happening and whatever you want to kind of, however you want to sum it up, you know, everyone just Google it. You'll find a million different things that are wrong at the moment, but ultimately brands are going to win, you know, and they're going to come out of California. New York's going to have an amazing run as well. You know, um, I'm excited to see what happens in these other States. Again, just like, band wise, if you were in a band and you could only play in one city, what, what are we doing? You know, I want to go on tour, you know, and, um, I'd say like the, the, I'll just say something like this. Like, I truly believe that interns today for cannabis companies will be CEOs of some of the biggest cannabis companies in three or four years from now, mm. you know? So if you, if you want to get in on it, it's, definitely not even the first inning yet. This is just getting started. There's tons of space. The cream will rise to the top. Um, you know, that's, you know, you just gotta, yeah, that's it. You know, and as far as like products or, or whatever, you know, like there's so much room for these things. There's so much space for these things, you know? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's it. You know, Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that. I will plug it, you know, for those on Instagram at Green Street website, greenstreetagency.com. I'll do, I'll do the plug in for Rama. Really appreciate you hopping on here, man. Truly, truly, uh, man, appreciate just the, the wisdom that you've given behind the scenes and just all of our conversations and then a lot yes. of gems in this, this episode, man. Thanks, bud. Yeah, I'd say, I guess, greenstreetlosangeles.com, all spelt out, is probably like the coolest thing, right? That's the building, right? So the building is really like, a, a, you know, uh, a big undertaking, you know, 70,000 square feet, eight stories, crazy restaurant on the ground floor, crazy rooftop, two event spaces inside, 40 something offices for brands, has some of the biggest brands in the world and some of the smallest, coolest brands in the world all currently in there. And, um, you know, it's like a cannabis business and event epicenter. So that's a good place to start kind of checking it out because that's just not Green Street. That's all these other great brands and people and entrepreneurs in it, too. So anything like in that world, if you're trying to kind of see what we're doing, that's like a good place to start. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, appreciate you hopping on here. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. We're actually running back-to-back episodes today. So we're going to be, if you're watching on LinkedIn or YouTube right now, we're going to be back in a couple minutes. Stay on the channel. We're talking to some folks out of the Missouri market. Uh, Rama, really appreciate you hopping on here. Uh, We'll be back with more content soon, guys. Yeah. Thank you.